Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, this is in the COVID-19 series of uh, kind of the spirit of interruption where we're going to continue with a few podcasts specifically digging into how we're responding to this crisis here as a church. And so uh, again, in a world of physical distancing and isolation, we've got a modified format here with two people uh, working remotely from our homes. So we appreciate the extra grace provided on things like the audio and tech, because I'm certainly no tech guy. So uh, welcome uh, back to Tom Lowen. Tom, say hi to everybody. Hello. Uh, do you want to describe for us what working from home looks like for you? Uh, well, right now, uh, because I've got a two and a four-year-old who are napping and a wife who just worked a night shift. Uh, they're napping and I'm sitting out on the back deck. So if you hear birds chirping or the sound of cars driving by, that's uh, that's where I am. Honestly, it's been uh, it's been challenging, but it's been better than I thought it would be. Uh, we have a very small house and it's really like, there's not a lot of places I can go hide. So uh, I figured the kids would be on top of me, but sergey has been great at entertaining them. We have a big backyard they can go play in. So uh, I think the whole world is grateful to the people, the wonderful people at Zoom for making meetings possible. Uh, so there's a lot of that. Uh, we're just trying to make it work as best we can. It is amazing how many people suddenly overnight had to have a home office when they never purchased or designed their home to have a home office. <laughs> You're just kind of making it up as you go. Totally. Absolutely. Um, Tom, let's dive in and uh, just give us a bit of the background of your experience of this crisis. I know when we first realized that life was about to change drastically and, and certainly quickly, uh, it was when we were receiving notifications around gatherings of 250 or more. Seems like forever ago, but if you can remember back that far, uh, what were your kind of initial reactions when you started hearing those announcements get made? Well, it, it, it quickly started to feel like it was not going to be possible for us to meet, although we didn't know for sure. Um, our team, that the team that designs the and implements the Sunday morning services at Southridge, our basically work week is Sunday to Thursday. So uh, when we left the office on Thursday, uh, this would have been uh, right before the very first time we had to do an online service. We left the work we left the office on Thursday with no plan to make an online service and absolutely no indication that we were anywhere near canceling our services. By that night, some of the news reports were starting to get a little scary. So we had some, some phone conversations and decided we'd come into the office on Friday and we'd try to capture some, some music in the studio and we'd try to put something together as a just-in-case uh, again, not even thinking we use it. And by the time we had finished recording, uh, we still had no plan to cancel our service. So we had been treating it as a, uh, you know, we'll learn from this experience so that if by next week this is for real, we'll we'll know what we did wrong. Well, within hours, we, we realized this was our only option and the service was canceled. So that's kind of the, the, the pace at which we were scrambling. Um, and as a church that really believes in the in value of gathering with each other and actually even resists some of the current trend towards online services, having to suddenly become experts at it, uh, 
uh, or even just competent at it was a bit a bit daunting but thankfully we have a pretty amazing team yeah when you were uh, first to... processing that like at a very personal level how were you feeling in all of this were you feeling work pressures were you feeling personal anxieties like because this news was crashing on all of us yeah. at the same time uh a couple of things happened simultaneously right around that time. Um, first of all, uh, Sarah Jade, my wife, is a PSW, so she's an essential worker. So we had to process with her what going to work in this uh, climate was going to feel like. So that was one reality that we had to process. Um, on another personal level, uh, within those few short span of days, I had an uncle and a cousin who both passed away. And suddenly we had to process the idea of not having funerals or having funerals, but not going to them. My, my, my father was not able to go to his own brother's funeral uh, because of all of this. So that was, those were some of the very interesting challenges we were going through as well. From a church perspective, I, yeah, I, I, I think I was mixed with a bit of a, you know, certainly concern, what is this going to mean for us? How are this not being able to gather together weekly is a huge uh, shift in what we are as a church. And yet the church isn't a meeting for one hour on Sunday morning. So I was confident that we would continue to be able to be the church in the midst of this challenge. And yet I felt tremendous, not, not pressure, but I actually maybe was a little bit excited by the opportunity to think about how could we do something that we might not otherwise have been able to do and what opportunities might God have for us in this time. So it's a, it was kind of a whole mix of things. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I, I had a similar thought where, uh, you know, we, we interrupted that message series that we had launched into that was all about working out our faith and what gatherings were going to be like and what God's vision for, you know, that time when we gather together would be appreciating that these gatherings are only a means to the end. And like you said, the church is a lifestyle uh, of full devotion. It's not a, a, a place or an event that you go to once a week, but, but our series was kind of focusing on that one hour. Now it felt like, you know, calling the audible to even reroute the series topic. Um, this was going to give us a, a real opportunity to see if we really believe that. Do we really, really believe that the church prevails Wither went out a building and uh, I'm sure there was an extra pressure on you guys, obviously, as you're describing uh, as people who put on these gatherings to say, OK, how do we figure out how to how to how to gather in a in a, in a nuanced kind of a way? Any uh, any other preliminary thoughts that you had either as a as a church leader, maybe even not specific to your department, but just things that you thought about how Southridge was going to respond to this? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not typically like a panic guy, and and on honestly, I probably would have been one of the at the very very earliest moments of this. I was, I'm probably one of the people who was like, ah, this is just the flu, you know. We've been through this with SARS and H1N1 and all these others, and uh, but I, I I quickly realized this was not a similar kind of a thing, and um, certainly, obviously, the 24/7 nature of running a homeless shelter. Uh, was a concern and figuring out how in the world are we going to be able to continue to serve the most vulnerable people in our community 
uh, amidst, you know, the kind of panic we were experiencing early on. Um, yeah, those, those would have been, and even just, yeah, figuring out new working dynamics with our staff team. But I had this thought, you and I haven't talked about this yet, but I, I had this thought the other day while I was running with all of the isolation and things, you know, your good friend and longtime former resident, Norm Arnold, he would have hated this era. <laughs> he would have been uncontainable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I won't, I won't, I'd be lying to say if I haven't thought about this and I, I don't know if I should feel bad about thinking this way. I chatted the other day, uh, just last week was Norm, would have been Norm's birthday. And, uh, and I texted with his sister a little bit and yeah, I was just confessing that, that with how crazy it is to get groceries right now and all of the medical challenges that Norm is facing, there, there is a sense of relief in not having to, go through this season with him, this would have been extremely challenging. And it just, it makes me feel a lot of empathy for those who are right now are serving the most vulnerable people among yeah. us. Yeah. There, there are way bigger problems than figuring out how to put, how to on, put a on a service. service. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, knowing that that's what we're talking about today. Um, can you describe, you talked about that Friday and gathering together as a department wondering what this was going to be like and just sampling some things. What was the, the, what was the conversation in the department like, uh, kind of in those early moments? I mean, obviously there's a couple of things that work in our favor. We, uh, we have a video staff member, uh, not meant, not a lot of churches across Niagara, even across North America do, across the world uh we pre-record our sunday messages every week so we already have the cap capacity to fill the message so there were a few things uh and and i look back and say it's not by coincidence necessarily but it felt that way at the time we had actually filmed a couple of the experiences we'd planned for that first morning uh only for the purposes of putting them online for later uh, which we ended up actually using in the service. So there, there were a few things that immediately felt like gifts. Um, there were some more challenging things like how to put together the, the music part of our services. Um, again, thankfully, we've got the kind of skills on our team to be able to know how to record. And we pulled in some volunteers. Uh, a guy named Drew Williams, who owns his own recording studio, came in and helped us as well. And we were able to record those services one of the first things that we sort of, we, we created that first morning of, of, I think, two or three songs. And one of the first conversations that we were having was, what happens if this gets worse? What happens if we can't even come in and film a few of us leading some songs? Uh, so we very quickly actually booked an entire day and filmed uh, all of the worship experiences that you've been in the, the, with the band, everything you've so far seen online, we filmed weeks ago uh, out of, a, I think, a divine sense of, of anticipation that we might be in more of a lockdown situation. So that was a big conversation. Um, and then uh, the biggest one of all was we were launching into a series that we had been excited about for an entire year. This was our inspiration team's series called Working Out Our Faith. 
that was all about how to make the most of our large group gathering. So the very first of our online services, if you go back and listen to it, it's totally tone deaf. It's totally out of touch with reality because it's all about the importance of gathering together and not just taking stuff in online. And yet we all had to take it in online. So wondering what in the world uh, we were going to do with this, all this plan that we had for this series and feeling an immediate need to shift gears and not just kind of keep it business as usual. And what would you say in that first era? Because I know there was a little bit of experimentation and a little bit of almost just in case um, of all of those different mm -hmm. pieces and all those elements of a, of a Sunday service. What was the hardest part in making the shift from a live to an online Sunday morning service format? <sighs> There's quite a few of them, but uh, really the so much of how we have over the last couple of years tried to change what what a sunday morning gathering feels like on you know in sort of a normal era words like engagement and participation uh not trying to really fight against the consumeristic passive i come to church and i just watch the show on stage uh, that is an enormous conversation for us from behind the scenes to figure out how can we get people involved in what we're doing and actually uh, not just passively observing but actively engaging and participating. Well, when you're designing something that by definition is going to be watched on a screen, uh, how do we get people to do things in service that actually breaks us out of that, that paradigm? That would be one of the biggest challenges. Um, I think people would be super gracious. I think we've been able to actually do a pretty good job with creating music and getting that audio sounding right and the videos looking right. But even if we couldn't have done that, people would have been pretty gracious with us about that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a lot of conversations went into how to how to make the experience match what you, it feels like in your living room. So instead of Mike Krause preaching from a big stage, uh, having him sitting in his living room talking to the camera, those were little stylistic things that we talked about that I think are important, but how to actually create something people can participate in, not just watch. Mm. That was the biggest conversation. That's the for biggest us. conversation. And, and you, you already mentioned, you know, video capacities and production capacities and guys like Mike Nondorf. Um, what would you say was the most critical component to the shift and the success of being able to deliver an online service that maybe most of us who are listening would never be able to see or appreciate? Well, there's a lot of people working behind the scenes uh, that you don't see. Um, if, I, if I were to say, I, I think that like, it honestly is the team of people involved, whether you're the ones that you're seeing on the video or not. Uh, there's a guy that, that as a staff, we read a lot of a guy named Pat Lanchoni who talks about how um, a lot of organizations, even churches function in silos and have politics and turf wars and everyone just kind of does their own thing and cares about their own stuff. Uh, but the thing that helps organizations overcome that and come together is a crisis. And that's exactly what we've experienced. We've experienced people from other departments jumping in to help us. We've experienced volunteers putting in tons of hours. Um, 
And it's really been that kind of camaraderie and teamwork that I think has actually made a huge difference. By contrast, I'm a part of some online groups where I'm, I'm pretty uh, aware of and in tune with churches across at least Canada or even North America um, that are trying to do the same kind of stuff that we're doing. But a lot of the people are posting in and saying, hey, listen, I'm a volunteer. I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you help me figure out how to make a video or can you help me how to know how to light something or uh, we are just so fortunate with the personnel that we have both at a staff level and at a volunteer level. That's yeah, made certainly, certainly been an all hands all on deck thing, even beyond the department. One, one thing that I'd like to just comment on, you've already made <coughs> reference to it was the, I guess you'd call it the stylistic choices that you made, but I, I just feel like the, the feel of the services was really uh, well strategized. I know a lot of churches, especially in the first couple of weeks, they basically just started filming their uh, auditorium stages in yes. their musical mode with their light show, with their preacher from there. And I feel like mm. the combination of number one, everyone's watching this from their living room or bedroom, yeah. you know, wearing their pajamas. <laughs> Number two, the mood yeah. isn't really celebratory. The mood is actually quite anxious and we are in a pandemic yeah. level societal crisis. I feel like the tone with which you guys set these early services was really, uh, you would call it emotionally intelligent. It was really appropriate to what was happening in people's homes. And I thought that you guys, I don't know how long of a conversation that, that was, but I thought you guys did a great job with that. Yeah, that was a lot of conversation for sure. Uh, some, again, I'd be gracious because I think some some churches or, or whatever, even for us, the first week, like the example of having Christ preach his message from the stage, we knew it was tone deaf. We knew it, it wouldn't feel right, but it was all we could do. Um, I think the fact that we were aware that we needed to do something different. I think an early conversation I had with you was, what does it look like, not just on Sunday mornings, but in all of our, uh, in all of our behaviors as a church, rather than just trying to do what we've always done, but do it online. Um, what does it look like to do what we can do now? What does it look like to behave as we actually are now? not just filming what we used to do. Right, right. And I think one of the interesting conversations, not to get ahead of ourselves, will be what will this teach us about what is important when we gather? What will, what will this teach us about the kinds of things that are essential to carry forward into the future when things go back to quote-unquote normal? Uh, and what are the things maybe that we actually can let go of because we didn't need them in this season, maybe we don't need them as much uh, in another season. Yeah, so absolutely. that's getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, knowing how much this took in the first couple of weeks out of your department, uh, we, we've talked about trying to make the shift to delivering these <clears throat> services more sustainably. And uh, I know that that's still probably not a reality in your world with the, the Easter weekend ahead of us. But what have you learned so far about this process that's making it a little bit easier or more manageable? Uh, I mean, sure. I, I'm going to answer this question, even though I don't, I don't think my 
staff team listens to my podcasts, uh, I'll say this as if they were, because I, I want to be respectful. I mean, I want everyone to know that a lot of people worked morning, day, and night, in some cases all-nighters, seven days a week to try to serve you well. And I'm not looking for a congratulation, and neither are they. Um, but the, for the first two weeks, uh, this, this required everything from everyone all the time. And everyone was happy to do it. Nobody got a bad attitude about it. Uh, everyone loves this church and wanted to see this be a meaningful experience in a difficult time. Uh, and we recognized right away that while we felt great about the work we were able to do, it was not going to be something we could continue to do if this lasts months and months, which it looks like it's going to. Um, so this conversation about sustainability, I, I just was recent, or just earlier today, I was reading something somebody posted about for churches like ours, we have to remember to be faithful more than fancy. Uh, our job is to continue to serve God, to serve each other, to lovingly lean into God's presence and what he wants to do through us without necessarily feeling like we've got to be impressive or be the best in the business or experts. Or I mean, We're trying to do a good job serving you all and serving God together. Uh, but we are... Even today, we were having a meeting. We spent our, our morning planning out the next couple of weeks. And the conversation, not just from me, but from our whole team was, we have, to, we have to resist the urge to ask the question, what will be cool? What will look great? What will be, you know, have a wow factor? And what we have to do is we have to ask the question, what will be honest? What will be authentic? What will actually be uh, allow for a meaningful interaction between us and God in this time. So I'm not out of answering your question, but what I'll say is we, we had to do, after that initial crazy stint, I sort of instituted with everyone who had been involved a forced Sabbath for I think about at least a day and a half. And that meant no texting, no work emails, nothing to try to recoup. And right now we're sort of trying to say we're going to do what we can do within these parameters and we're going to trust God to use our faithfulness and not, not push it beyond what, what, what is reasonable. Cause yeah. that's families... a huge, yeah, that's a huge message that we're trying to send across the board right now is to move into, we call it phase two where phase one was just delivering what we deliver in our basic ministry model you know, in this modified way, phase two is delivering it in this modified way sustainably. And that's a huge, a huge learning across all of our departments right now. Um, you know, again, a behind the scenes question that you could maybe speak into just for all of our, our listeners. Are there systems or routines that you're learning to put in place to be able to do this more sustainably? I mean, I'm thinking what well, one that comes to mind is just the transfer of gear. We only have so much gear. People don't realize that, you know, not all of us have video studios in our house. In fact, almost none of us do. And just the maneuvering yeah. around, you know, some of your some of your department have have become shuttlers of gear. And uh, even just a, a, a task like that has become inordinate in this new model. So talk about some of those new kind of systems or practices that you're you're learning. Yeah, we're fortunate enough, I'll say, to be able to have more gear than many. Uh, so we're not stuck. Early on, we set up, we set, before there was any kind of lockdown procedures, 
uh, in Ontario, we, we actually created a daily protocol of sending cameras and audio recording equipment home with a few key people to make sure that if at, a, at the drop of a hat we were stuck in lockdown, we'd still be able to create content. Um, now we've, this sort of the second phase was we struck a rhythm of a few key people that we've been leaning into, but it still actually requires uh, the shuttling around of gear. And I just want to say to everybody, we're doing that in as safe and sterilized a way as possible. When no, nobody is in the room filming Mike Krause or Jeff Lockyer when they're preaching. Uh, I mean, I guess your kids are in the room with you. Uh, but uh, we're doing this in as quarantined and as a, as legal and, and not just legal, but appropriate a way as possible. Yeah, Justin came by to pick up some uh, but video gear. Justin came by to pick up some video gear the other day, and I left a Lysol wipe on each of the uh, each of the items, <laughs> so that he could, when he got it yeah. on the porch, he could scrub it down and then put it into his car. And you know, you're just trying yep. to be sensitive to that. Yeah, kind of well, stuff. that's part of our that's part of our daily protocol right now is curbside drop-offs and Lysol wipes and sterilization. And so we're uh, we have a few people from our community who have stepped up and uh, donated. Uh, I mean, lent. I'll say some gear that we can use that they're not going to use during this time. Uh, and I'll just say, if you right now have some uh, quality recording equipment or cameras, uh, you can shoot me an email, tlone at southridgechurch.ca, or go directly to Michael Nondorf at mnondorf at southridgechurch.ca. Uh, that would actually be really helpful. We right now are planning to buy a few things, although we don't want to spend too much money in this season. Um, there's a few things that if we purchase we'll be able to minimize the amount of transfer that's required. Uh, but that's definitely the ministry of, of shuttling things around. The ministry of trying to figure out how we can record things in homes. Um, hey, a question that I think everyone's interested in for this week, knowing it's Easter weekend coming up, what is this going to look like? We can appreciate that you you not only are trying to turn services on a dime, now you're trying to pull two of them out of your hat in one week. Um, can you give us any kind of insight into how Easter weekend can be done in a remote way from home? Yes. Uh, there are essentially three things that we are doing next uh, for the Easter week. Uh, the first thing I want to let you know about, and this is actually um, our location pastors were originally going to give the Good Friday talk. And when that wasn't possible, uh, they've actually poured a bunch of energy uh, in, to, into creating some daily resources, some reflections and devotionals for the week leading up to Easter. So uh, if you haven't checked those out yet, dive into those, use them as a daily preparation uh, as we head into this important Easter weekend. Um, and then originally we were going to do, when we were first into this online reality, we were going to simplify and do an Easter Sunday service online. And then for Friday, just kind of create something people could go with, through at home. Uh, and while we liked that idea, what we, we have actually landed on doing a Good Friday experience. And we're going to do an online service, 10 a.m. on Friday morning. We're hoping everyone will tune in for that. Um, and we've actually got some some pretty, uh, I think, powerful things planned for that. So I, I would encourage everybody not to treat that as optional. Uh, there's going to be some really great stuff in that service. One thing in particular that I want to mention is uh, 
there are things that we feel unable to do this uh, in this format. For example, on Easter Sunday, we were planning to have a baptism, and uh, we just cannot think through logistics right now of how we would do a baptism in a way that we would feel comfortable with. So that's actually not happening on the Sunday. But on the Friday, we are going to take communion together. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to encourage everybody in their homes to find some kind of bread-type substance, whether that's bread or toast or a cracker or your Eggo waffles from the morning or even if it's just a crouton or anything, and some kind of beverage, water, juice. And we're going to encourage everyone to have some of that ready. And together, simultaneously, for those who participate at 10 a.m., we're going to take communion together and celebrate the Lord's Supper and his victory over death by death uh, in a profound and powerful way. So I would love to give people that heads up. That's going to be Friday, Sunday morning. Uh, even though we don't get to do the baptisms we wanted to do, uh, we have, I think, a fantastic experience. That It's actually very, it's pretty much the experience we were going to do anyway, other than the baptism, is what we're going to deliver in this format. And I'll say, uh, one of the things that surprised me a lot in this online format is how many people have actually sent the online service to friends who don't go to church. Uh, because they're dealing with the same stuff and they're dealing with anxieties and worry and the number of people and the amount of feedback we've gotten about that has been uh, incredible actually way above my expectations i'm going to tell you that easter sunday is the kind of experience you're going to want to do that if there's any part of you that would have the capacity or the courage to say to a friend who doesn't normally go to church who maybe doesn't have a faith in christ hey would you check this out i think you're going to like it this is an experience I, I couldn't recommend having enough. I, I'm not trying to overstate it, but I really do believe this will be a very shareable experience. Yeah, I hope people are getting the palpable energy right now from you that, you know, this is far from time off, even though we're isolated at home. This is game on, not just in delivering services, but game on in connecting people to the heart of God and the good news of the message of Christ, arguably like we've never known in our lifetime. And, uh, you know, from that regard, Tom, as we wrap up, can you give us a final encouragement or challenge to our members when it comes to experiencing this Easter weekend in a really extraordinary way in this unprecedented time of crisis? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd say... I'd say two things. I've been using this language a lot, and I, I'm not just trying to be cute. I, I think it's actually an important idea. Our, our world is wrapped up in this idea of social distancing, or I think now more appropriately, we're using language of physical distancing. And I think for some, trapped in our homes, if you're if you're like me, buried under a mountain of kids and trying to work from home and adapt to new realities. It's easy to allow the social and physical distancing and especially the loss of some of our church gatherings and programs to turn into spiritual distancing. And I would just say whatever you can do to stave that off. If you have now oodles of free time or even if you feel like things are busier than ever and crazier than ever, carve out space every day. Carve out space this weekend, not just to be with us in the online services, uh, but to lean into the power and presence of God in this time. And the second thing I would say is, 
I'm saying this off the cuff, so I haven't really thought it through, and I don't want it to come off as as inappropriately leveraging the emotions of our, our season right now. But we're celebrating, we're not celebrating some happy miracle of Jesus turning water into wine on this Easter weekend, or you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000. The miracle we celebrate at Easter is the death of a person, of a human being, of the Son of God. This is, uh, this was a, a weekend of crisis in the very first Easter weekend. And there were people who had given their lives to follow Jesus who experienced that weekend as the death of a dream and as a total life upending crisis, a loss of feeling of purpose and significance and their community and um, what had become ultimately their livelihood and everything, they were losing everything in this moment. And yet the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, was God's and history's response to that depth of crisis to say that new life is possible, rebirth is possible, hope is possible, and God actually wants to transform and renew and recreate the world, not just to the way it was before, but to a whole new reality that is way better than it was before uh, uh, because it is driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, that is what Easter weekend is about. And that is what God wants each one of us to experience. And so if you feel like you're living in death, whether that's physical illness or job loss or relational crisis or whatever it is, um, we want resurrection for you and for all of us. And that's what God wants. And that's what this weekend is for. So let's lean in together and discover the life that God wants for us. Fantastic. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the gospel that, that we celebrate is a Jesus that entered into our brokenness to bring a vitality and abundance of life that we could never know. I'm confident that we're going to experience this, that we, this weekend. And I'm just really grateful to you and to your team for helping facilitate that for us. We're pumped. And I hope all you who are listening are excited and are going to make the absolute most out of a great Easter weekend this weekend. So uh, we'll see you vicariously uh, through our online platform and uh, wish everyone a great Easter as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone. 